Paul Stringfellow and welcome to this week's edition of Tech Interviews. On this week's show, we're going to be taking a look at a topic that was something that I kind of came across last year um, and, and wrote a little piece around uh, around what my, my guest company does. Um, and because it caught my attention, it was an area of technology that I've not really spent a lot of time considering, um, but an area of technology where you can absolutely see why you need to be. Uh, and that's the, it's, it, it, it's an acronym because, you know, we're in IT, so why wouldn't it be? Um, we're going to talk about the topic of DDI. Now, for many of you, you think direct dial. Uh, that's not quite what we mean. Um, and this is much more to do around network resilience, you know, things like DNS, DHCP. So, um, but we'll, we'll kind of get into that. And to, uh, to to help me to do that, I'm joined by uh, this week's guest, Andrew Wirtkin. Hi, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing quite well. And by the way, DDI is an acronym of acronyms. So it's, yeah. a, it's a double acronym, you know, and, even, more, even more exciting. That that if anything was more IT than an acronym of acronyms, I've I've not met it. So um, so we'll, we'll kind of delve into that. But um, but before we do, uh, as we always do here on Tech Interviews, Andrew, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little about who you are, what you do. Sure. So Andrew Workin, I am the Chief Strategy Officer of BlueCat. I've been at BlueCat for about seven years, and I came here as the Chief Technology and Product Officer. Over the last year or so, I've sort of transitioned in this other role as I've brought other people in to run our, our technology teams. So the vast majority of my focus is on the market, where the market is investing, where the market's going, so that we can properly form a product and market strategy. In this world of DDI, it's about understanding where your customers are going and what they need to get there. Um, as and, and, and you can't do that without being in market and really spending a significant amount of time understanding uh, broad IT initiatives um, and customers. Yeah, and I think that makes a really good point. And, and kind of as we delve into the subject, I think you know we'll, we'll I think people will start to get the idea of you know particularly if they've not even come across the phrase DDI before, right. why this is not only important but is increasingly important. You know, in the way that the world has changed, the way we operate has changed, the reliance yeah. on network and communications has changed. So, um, but you mentioned earlier on in, in your introduction of when we were just first first talking that DDI is an acronym of acronyms. Um, so as I said, nothing more technical than that, and I'm sure the audience is going to love an acronym of acronyms. But for those who aren't familiar with what DDI is, do you want to kind of set a little bit of context around what it is when, when we talk about DDI in the context of what Blue Cat do? Right. No, for sure. You know, the, the interesting thing about DDI is it's it's a it's a singular system that, that provides capabilities around DNS and DTP and IPAM or IP address management. There, there's really no company that's not doing these three things. The question is whether or not they have a DDI system that is integrating these services in a way that creates a lot of value. Um, you're literally not in business today if any of your business you know, has any compute at all, which is 99 point whatever percent of, of, of businesses. Um, you know, DNS is there, DTP is there, and IP address management is being done on spreadsheets perhaps or some sort of standalone system. Uh, you need to know what networks are provisioned and where you've got free network space and what what IP addresses are provisioned, and you know the, these things are. I, I'd like to say smaller businesses might do it on a spreadsheet, but even today, very very large businesses 
are still managing that on some crazy spreadsheet that you know two people have access, right access to, or something like that. And so, what this industry does, and you're right, there's not a lot of, you know, if you if you're in this industry or or your job is, you know, managing any of these services, then then you know about this industry, but it's not a well known acronym outside of that. Um, yet, it's um, it, it provides a tremendous amount of value, and it, it always surprises me how how um, you know the the even forget some of the business value just on the operational side um, how much operational value there is in managing these critical uh, protocols and network services in a in a centralized way that um, that companies aren't necessarily aware exist you know the the DNS and DTP cannot go down period you know they go down and and people can't work there's there's you know monetary uh you know immediate issues if these services are unavailable and so um to some extent you know you joked around saying it's not um uh dial tone or direct direct dial what was the other acronym you're thinking of for ddi anyway yeah, something direct, to do with, direct with dial tone yeah, yeah. But but you know a lot of people think about this somewhat as dial tone from the perspective of it's got to be there and people don't complain about it unless it's not there you know and um, again that's sort of like the operational value of this stuff it's got to be up uh, there's way more on top of that but um, there there's a certain there there's a lot of value in managing these things together yeah and I think. I think make a really good point, and and actually the uh, the, the the direct dial acronym for DDI, um, you know, I, I think as you've pointed out, is is actually you know it's a good comparison because the idea around increasingly DNS probably always you know we've we've all heard the phrase haven't we that when something goes wrong it's always DNS you know right. we're always kind of quick to to blame DNS but but it is one of those things that until it's not there you don't notice its existence maybe, maybe like an IT department in a lot of enterprises nobody knows they're there until something goes wrong right. Um, uh, you know, and, and I think that's a it, it's an interesting position because I think while we appreciate DNS's importance, I wonder whether organizations and enterprises don't always necessarily put the thought into, you know, you've mentioned before didn't you, that, that DNS, DHCP, IP address management, these things are done individually, often on big spreadsheets. You know, the second conversation I've had with somebody this week about the, uh, the, the, the fundamental issue of big spreadsheets, but right. you know, it's, you know, the, those, those kind of things are being done in organizations, but the idea that we've planned some kind of central strategy to deal with it, I, I'm not sure something that I see in a lot of enterprises. I mean, is, is that your experience as well? Is this not necessarily something people are considering or, or is that changing? It's for sure changing, and I'll tell you why. And, and but but also, I think I saw. I mean, I'm sure it's made up, but it's probably close to true. Something like ninety percent of business is done on spreadsheets, and ninety percent of spreadsheets are wrong. You know, so <laughs> it's. But but regard regardless of that, um, yeah, you know, there's a there's been a dynamic that's been changing over the last several years. Historically, things like DDI were critically important for companies with tons of IT governance. There's governance around every single change and, and you know, um, uh, like process, deep process methods around change management that require a system like that. But you could have just made these changes willy-nilly if you wanted to, if you didn't have those process requirements. And so what's changed both in those sort of governance process heavy industries, like financial, for instance, and, and in general is... Um, you can't make changes rapidly if you don't have centralized control. You, 
those rapid changes will cause downtime. And with with you know the broad, high-level, ill-defined digital transformation, or or the more like closer to earth view of we need to change stuff faster because we need to accelerate our ability to use technology uh, to meet uh, you know all these different pillars of our corporate strategy. If I can't change something, then then you know that slows me down. And and so what there's been this broad realization that wait a second, like 20 different administrators need to be involved globally to make this simple change, or we can automate everything except for this. And if I can't make changes to DNS, then then I can't launch, change, use, you know, cloud native services that automatically load balance multiple endpoints. Like all of these changes I'm trying to make, uh, there's a least common denominator technology that is critically necessary for people to connect to it, which is called DNS. And if I can't change that rapidly, then I got a problem. And and if it, it you know, it could be I don't have a system. It could also be that, um, you know, there, there's 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 esoteric knowledge uh, that that is required to manage this stuff. And and that esoteric knowledge is it lives in a couple people. And, and so now they need to get the help desk ticket and they're the ones who are going to go issue this, you know? And so, so, um, so there's sort of like a broad recognition that I, I need some central management on the, the, the IPM side is a really good example of that. You can't automate if you don't have some source of truth to automate against. So how am I going to grab a set of IP addresses to deploy an application? What network am I going to use? Do I need a new network? Do I have a network that meets the criteria of, you know, for instance, the security requirements of this application that has enough expansion room that I should be deploying this in? Um, th- there's all of these decisions that somebody with the spreadsheet is just going to know, oh, yeah, this is part of that program. And that program, you know, is that that's internal only. And, and, uh, and in fact, that's completely segmented from the Internet. So we're going to use networks over here and we're not going to use that network because, Somebody said we might expand more there. Like, you know, they, there's all this manual knowledge and people knowledge that's involved in making these decisions, and that's got to be plumbed out, you know, gone. Uh, that knowledge needs to be metadata in a system that can easily facilitate automation. So, you know, if I'm trying to deploy something automatically, I just want a network, you know, and and um, and I need that network to be correct. And so, um, so there's, yeah, again, there's this broad recognition that you can't, you know, you need a source of truth to be able to change something rapidly, and uh, you need some level of centralized control to change something rapidly. And, and and there's a whole security side to it too. But but just in terms of like the biggest tailwind for this business, the the recognition over the last few years has really been around. Um, this is more than control and governance. This is about enabling change. And I think actually that phrase that you used right at the end there about enabling change is hugely important because I think while you was applying the context to why this is a topic and why why this is interesting to people, you know, many of the things you were saying there, you could just see how they are not 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 sustainable in modern business. And you know, and particularly without talking about you know the the the, the thing that we all you know that talking about acronyms, that kind of COVID uh, COVID type acronyms that we we like to throw around, but. You know, if we look at how much the world has changed over the last, you know, we're, we're recording this in February 2021. So in the last you know, 11, 12 months, that so much has changed so quickly that the idea that 
to make changes to our network, to make changes to our infrastructure, ultimately to make changes to our business and the way it operates. We can't have these things today relying on somebody's the knowledge in somebody's head or the idea right. that it's on a spreadsheet somewhere or, or one or two people in an enterprise almost regardless of the size actually that one or two people in that enterprise are the only people who know how to allocate an ip address and i thought there was something i made i made a note actually while he was talking that one of the things that interested me was that idea of organizations saying i can't make ip address changes um right now because um, I, I don't have this this piece of information. I've got to wait for you know Bob over in IT to to make that right. change. I wonder in a lot of those instances, while they think they can't make IP address changes, that actually as we start to embrace things like public cloud and and SaaS services, that actually some of these changes are getting made anyway, and you've just got no idea of it. Right. I, and, you know, and, and I mean, is that something else that you see? You know, that the you know, not just the kind of covid world that we're currently operating in and the the post-covid world that will come after it you know do, do we think that are you seeing that there's changes just because of the way technology is shifting you know things like the adoption of cloud service ideas of automation you talked about automation a lot with, with, with when you were discussing that earlier on are, are these also some of the drivers behind why getting a grip of these kind of key elements of, of your your communications capability you know dns dhcp right. IP address management. Are some of these, some of the drivers as well, was you already seen these and they've just accelerated over the last 12 months? Yeah. Or? Yeah, no, right. Um, all, all the above, you know, it, it's interesting because, you know, the, the, to some extent, a lot of enterprises, their journey to the cloud started with uh, the business segments, like not the centralized IT team, the, the product building, revenue generating business segments, just being like, you know what? we're going to go on our own because there's faster, better ways to do things. And off they went with, you know, uh, shadow IT, right? Like they're, they're going to build their own technology team and their own technology team is going to go deploy the stuff in the cloud. And, uh, and that, that broke, I mean, it's not sustainable. And with, with certainly a lot of our large enterprises where that customers, where that might've been the beginning point, it, it's now been, um, you know, centralized, but not, not, brought back into the machine that was corporate IT before, there's been the appropriate changes made because where the shadow IT guys had some, had some real concerns, um, uh, you know, they're, 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 you know, and they need to change things faster. They, they built silos and they built silos that were, were, were coupled to corporate in such a way that they were, you know, they're, they're going to break and they broke uh, from our perspective along the DNS side and the networking side all the time, you know, and, and, and yes, anybody can build something faster if they can ignore everything else in the world, you know, and, and just go build it themselves. And, 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 but, but that's not sustainable, you know? And, and so what we've seen is a lot of um, cloud 2.0, cloud 3.0, cloud four, one of our customers on like cloud 5.0 of, okay, now we got it. You know, we're not going to have a hundred different VPNs. Uh, we're not doing direct connect. It's integrated into SD-WAN strategy. Like, you know, we we don't want to deal with the fact that we've got overlapping IP space and all these different clouds. Like that causes all of this overhead and problems we don't want to deal with. So here's how we're doing this. We're going to have, you know, shared services tenants in the cloud and not, not have all of these, you know, segmented networks that all have to go back to the data center to speak to each other. Like they've, they've, 
they reached, they hit the problems and now have had the time to sort of rethink what the right architecture is to go there as opposed to sort of this rush there. And, and that's critical. And they've done that in a way where they're, um, they're not trying to go back to a day of, of slow change or IT as a change inhibitor, you know, with, with this process, you know, why do they have to spend, why does it take two weeks to do that? Well, it, it takes two weeks to do that because with traditional infrastructure, we have to go figure out if you're adding this new application behind our load balancers, uh, how is that going to affect the overall load on the load balancers? And, you know, uh, what might it affect? And we can only put it in, you know, because we have to be able to rapidly figure out if it broke something or not, we need to do it on Sunday at 2 a.m. And, and this process exists for a really good reason, because our job is to ensure that your stuff works. And this process allows for that. And I think a lot of companies make this mistake and say, okay, so therefore in the cloud, we need to have the same processes. You've got the same requirements, but you've got this beautiful opportunity of being able to do things differently to meet the same requirements and, and, and deploy different architectures that allow for you to make those changes faster without giving up uh, resilience reliability. That all goes out the window if you just have these, you know, these separate teams of smart, capable people doing things outside of the scope of what the requirements are. People, the requirements don't change around security resilience. You know, the broader requirements don't change when you go to cloud. The method of achieving those requirements, of solving those requirements can change dramatically. And that needs to be embraced and needs to be embraced across the entire team. At this point, I forgot what question I was answering, but but the point is like, yeah, so now, now we're migrating stuff to cloud, whether it's um, you know, accelerated because of COVID, whether it's, um, you know, it was part of our plan anyway. Um, that, that again, like I, it, it just, it certainly, um, from our perspective, from a DDI perspective, change creates demand. Um, and, uh, and we, the more change there is, the more value we provide and the more we think we can help. And, uh, and that's a good thing from a cloud migration standpoint, because that's change. So yeah, Andrew, you made a really good point in there, including um, you'd forgotten the question you was uh, you was going to answer. Um, so I'm going to pose another question based on the, uh, what you've just said. And I thought you made a really interesting point about this kind of shift to cloud and people thinking that actually, if I'm moving to cloud, uh, I need to keep all the same processes I had previously. And I think what's interesting about that is that often we look at cloud people look at cloud as transformation. I think you made, you made the phrase before about this kind of undefined thing that, that people talk about, which is transformation. And sometimes people look at, oh, I've started to put things in the public cloud, so I've transformed my business. But I think right. one of the important parts of what you talked about there was if you don't transform the processes and the approach to your technology when you make that shift, you've not transformed anything at all. All you've done is you've moved infrastructure from one place to another, right. but have kept doing the same thing. You know, And, and probably, cause, cause one probably of the are now spending more for it if that's how you did it yeah and well i mean one of the questions i was going to ask and, and i think you, you probably answered this already but but maybe we can pick out on, on one or two areas that one of the questions i was going to ask was that for companies who are, you know, from your experience for, for enterprises who aren't embracing this kind of change aren't embracing this modernization of their approach to these kind of key key communication services what are some of the challenges they're hitting? I think we just picked on one there that while they, that, you know, it's it's you know it's restricting their ability to innovate and to change quickly. Are you seeing other other problems? I mean, you've talked about security a couple of times there. You know, is there is there other problems you're seeing when when companies aren't embracing this kind of change in thinking? 
Yeah, I mean, one is cost. You know, there's there's uh, this you know change in thinking and sort of modernizing infrastructure, whether that's modernizing the campus and branch, whether that's modernizing the data center or migrating stuff to cloud. Um, a lot of 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 that modernization is in reducing the operational expense, and uh, um, and and so you see, um, you know, you, you see advantages both on the top line and bottom line for these transformations when they're done appropriately, you know. Um, and so, so yeah. So I, I think I think there there are several. I mean, security for sure, cost, um, and uh, and flexibility. It all comes down to, you know, like in our business, uh, 10 years ago, you could go propose a deployment architecture. You know, we think based on your requirements, you guys are going to need 93 appliances and here's where they're going to go in these data centers and everywhere. And we would we would think we were right. And the person on the other side of the table would be like, yeah, that makes sense to me. Off you go. And, and, and we'd probably be right or close enough. You know, five years ago, you might have that same conversation. And you might think you're going to be right on both sides of the table, but you're not going to be right. Nowadays, anybody who thinks that they can buy something today and it's going to be relatively the same in five years isn't looking at the technology landscape appropriately anymore. You've got to buy in flexibility. You have to buy things assuming they're going to change. And uh, and that's the other thing that you know the, the architectures of old however reliable and capable they may have been, uh, create, um, uh, like reduce flexibility. You, you know, you, you, it, it goes back to, I guess I'm just saying what I said before about the ability to change and change rapidly, but, uh, but, but it's not just process. It's also like the, the technology you have, you know, there's been this massive rush for direct internet access, you know, off, I don't think Microsoft realizes, or maybe they do, the amount of WAN topologies that they have caused to change, the billions of dollars of spend, um, and, and industries like SD WAN and others being born out of basically this, it's Office 365 now, you know, and, and, and they, for sure there's SaaS before, there was Salesforce, and I mean, tons of large businesses rely on SaaS for sure. Um, but now, but now Office 365 comes in and companies literally like rapidly trying to change WAN topologies. Everything used to go back over MPLS to the data center or some sort of regional network access point, and out it went to the internet. And that's where that's where web proxies were, URL filters, or firewalls, and and there's no direct internet access anywhere to a world where there's internet egress everywhere. And and it's not just Microsoft, but a lot of companies like it was Microsoft that forced that 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 transition uh, or the final decision. Um, that was a massive change, and. You could have looked at the big picture and re-architected your WAN topology and built in the flexibility and thought about things like DNS because now DNS is, we know customers where they now have direct internet access out from a, you know, web perspective, from an HTTPS perspective at a local site. DNS is still egressing out of the data center. So even though their bits and bytes are going out from uh, connecting to Office 365 locally, they're connecting to the wrong Office 365 because the, it's connecting to the address that's being resolved by the DNS query going out of the data center, which is a continent away. So you know you're you're it, it's it's uh, they're trying to I 
you run into problems if you're trying to do as little as possible to adopt this new these new architectures as opposed to taking a deep breath and justifying a broader investment in creating something that's way more flexible because it's Office 365 today. What's it going to be tomorrow? We're, oh, we're migrating all of our stuff, our data centers to, to clouds. Oh, well, great. Well, now we're deploying in clouds that are close to all of our offices or all of our branches. Now we need direct internet access there. Maybe we have a cloud-first type WAN topology. These things will change over time. So do not buy something that locks you into a topology. And, and that means a bigger cost up front and more work on business justification. But I think companies, um, you know, and it's just the way the world works. You, you don't believe, like in IT, and, and I believe, I actually believe wholeheartedly what I'm about to say, if there's no ROI in the first year, then the project's going to derail at some point and, and you're going to end up having trying to do things multiple ways, you know? And so this is one of those like, okay, um, how do I design a project where I know I'm going to have the go forward flexibility that has ROI this year? And, uh, and, and that's the sweet spot, I think. Well, we've, we've talked a lot about the challenges. Uh, you know, we've, yeah. we've talked a lot about some of the issues, the issues that that presents to enterprises, some of the technical issues, security, cost, et cetera. Obviously, you you guys are blue cat. You, you know, you you exist to try and solve the problem, um, or, or let, let's hope so. Um, so, you know, so if I'm an enterprise listening to this and I'm thinking about, okay, I hear what you're saying. I've never really thought about this. What are some of the things that we should be doing? How 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 are we starting to fix a problem? You know, how how's somebody like Blue Cat helping out, for example? Yeah, right. I mean, you know, part of it is, um, uh, you know, I, I think I think. Um, I think with with this with what we do this sort of critical infrastructure, a lot of uh, decision makers don't really understand the fragility of their existing infrastructure, and they don't because they've got a dedicated small team uh, that is super good at their job, and they're really scared of change because this team that's you know these superheroes that are keeping everything up and running. Um, you know, everybody knows the downside of this. They're scared. It's risky. And, um, and so, um, but it looks like it's working. So I don't know that we have a problem. And, uh, and so, you know, step one is always sort of a, a, a realistic assessment of, of where we are. Can we do these things? And, you know, you get into some, um, uh, you know, um, it's not just sort of, I'm scared to change this, but, but also people in general are scared of change, especially if you're a practitioner in this area. So, you know, what, what, what we help to facilitate for sure, and, and, and obviously other companies do as well, uh, you know, like non-IT vendors, but like, what is the state of today? Because if I don't understand the state of the day, then, then how, do I, how do I justify change? And, and, and so our business exists when customers had a, or prospect has had a massive issue, and now they're calling for a solution. That eventuality, we would rather not, I mean, great. So now there's an opportunity because somebody's had a massive amount of downtime. Better would be, you know, if a, if a customer under or a prospect understands, here are our risks with the way we're doing things today. Here's where the bottlenecks are. And, and, and then here's the value of actually investing in something larger. And so, yeah, that, that's a critical part of it. You know, we're, we're a huge believer in business value. Um, and, uh, um, and we like to 
this is going to sound very Canadian of me, but we like to we, we like our revenue to be based on the value we're delivering, you know, versus um, versus just selling a bunch of stuff because we have good salesmen and we do that that can sell a lot of good stuff. You know, like it, it's we want to be based on the value and it's very hard to have a conversation with a prospect around something as similar as simple as pricing if there's not an understanding of what the value is. And so, yeah, we think um, this stuff is normally band-aided enough inside of organizations that it looks like it's working and people don't understand the potential problems they're going to have. And, and that's an important part of that change. Yeah, I, I think that um, it, it's interesting. It's kind of, uh, we, we've had a, another show recently where, a very similar to kind of conversation uh, ensued in the idea that often organizations don't understand what's going on because somebody somewhere in the in the enterprise is keeping the thing running you know right. like you say kind of sticking a band-aid over it keeping it ticking over so they don't know where they are right now they don't know some of the challenges that they've got and that and, and when they are looking to change when they are looking to you know automate services or deliver better IT services, deliver ultimately drive better enterprise outcomes. You know, this is not, you know, we're not solving problems here. Because I, I thought it was really interesting what you said, actually, about, the, you know, the, the driver for Blue Cat is to show business value. You know, it's not about, you know, and, and I think that's hugely important for, for all of us now in who are making architectural decisions in IT, we're making business decisions in IT, that we've got to think about business outcome. You know, this is not about, right. you know, the, the world has moved on. We can't just be doing technology for technology's sake. Right. Reality, we probably should never have been, but, you know, th there's been times when we've we've been able to do that. Um, but I sometimes think that if organizations have no idea where they're coming from, they've got these grandiose goals of, yeah, I want to drive better outcomes. I want to do something different but they'll never get there because they've got no idea where they're starting from. And I think that's, right. I think that's a, a, a huge challenge. And so, so Andrew, as, as we're kind of coming up to the, um, the end of our recording time here, you know, and, and I, you know, this is a, this is a huge topic and there's, you know, lots of areas we, we could talk and we, we talked before we started recording, how deep into the weeds did we, we want to get. And I, and I guess in 30 minutes, we don't have a lot of time for, for doing that. So I, I wanted to give people kind of a flavor of, that DDI is an area and, and why it's important. I, th I think we've done a real good job of doing that. So, but before we wrap up, um, you know, for people who are not familiar with Blue Cat um, or have found it you know, really interesting as, as I have in what you've talked about today, what's a good way for them to find out more about what you guys do and, and find out more about this kind of DDI topic and, and the way this market's moving? Yeah, for sure. So obviously, uh, um, you know, come to our website, bluecatnetworks.com, uh, our YouTube channel, um, you know, where we try to, and, and lately we're really pushing a lot of content around this, not just on the technical side, but, but really, you know, um, uh, customer use cases, customer value. Um, you know, we have a podcast of our own network disrupted. Um, but, uh, but we have a bunch of resources, resources there as well. We have a, a Slack, uh, community that we call uh, network VIP. That is vendor agnostic. We have people that are our customers, our competitors' customers, people who have nothing to do with DDI that join, and we drive a lot of roundtables there and a lot of discussions there. And and so, um, I definitely encourage you to join Network VIP, and and I can send you separately what you know link because I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, but but that you know I find I find um, this world that we live in. Um, peer to peer is the best way to have these discussions and, and getting a bunch of peers together, having a discussion 
is is um, is just a super way to both learn from a vendor perspective, but also to have, you know, sort of honest, transparent conversations between. It, it, this is this is peer to peer, and uh, that's what we try to do with Network VIP. So I definitely encourage people to check that out. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'll definitely vouch for that, and I'll make sure that we we put some links into that that, that kind of content and the, the Slack channel into um, into the show notes because that's might be my experience of of talking with Blue Cat as well in that they've been very open to kind of having general debate around some of this topic and around general technology topics. You said this is not always necessarily about DDI, and it's right. you know it's not it's not vendor specific. So you know, and, and I'm a big fan of the idea that actually the best way that we can drive a lot of these kind of better solutions into into businesses and do our jobs better is is that kind of community in, interaction to you know right. to, to learn from people who are, are doing the things you're 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 looking to do. Um, and well, maybe, maybe actually, I said that's probably really this could be a really good way for us to wrap up. So Andrew, you know, if, if people do want to outside of those kind of communities if people want to get in touch with you or kind of follow up with blue cat is there a way they can do that as well for sure so on twitter i'm at a workton a-w-e-r-t-k-i-n um and so definitely hit me up there um and uh um yeah or you know and and i i i encourage contact or again you know listen to the podcast but um um look forward to talking to people well, Andrew, I think it's been really fascinating. And I say, you know, I think it's, it's a huge topic and, you know, kind of networking and communications is always a huge topic. But, um, you know, I think this idea of DDI is something that certainly in my experience, not lots of enterprises are, are considering. Um, and I think it's something that we're going to see have to grow and have to develop. So, um, so Andrew, look, thank, thanks for sharing your time with us. Thanks for giving us the insight that you have. And um, maybe get you on again sometime in the not too distant future to to maybe delve into the weeds a little bit more. But um, Andrew, for now, thanks for being on Tech Interviews. Really appreciate your time. My pleasure. I enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed that. For show notes, pop over to techstringy.com. We'll also find all of our previous Tech Interviews episodes. And if you've got an idea for a show or would like to appear as a guest, then why not email me at podcast at techstringy.com. To make sure you catch the next episode of Tech Interviews, then why not subscribe? You can subscribe in all good homes of podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify, and for the video version of the show over on YouTube. So until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.